0: Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, we come to you again this evening. How we praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you are the one on the throne. You are the one who is over all. You are the one, Lord. Oh, that is the electrum burning in this universe. We pray, Lord, you would have a way tonight. You would have a way to move. You would have a fresh way. Gain a way, Lord, that you could move on this earth. And we pray for your people, Lord, for all of us here tonight and all of those in your recovery. Oh, that you would have a way in us, Lord, that we would not be slow, that we would not be uh, uh, not cooperative, but we would cooperate to the uttermost. Lord, answer the prayers tonight. Give us such a spirit in your recovery. We pray for the recovery of such a spirit, Lord. We pray, oh, in a desperate way. Lord, we need you, even as our desperation. We need you, Lord. Open our eyes to see our situation, to pray according to that, Lord, to take you, Lord, Grant us a proper repentance, Amen. a proper opening, Amen. and a proper going on, Lord, for the, for the sake of your recovery, Amen. even for our sake, Lord. Amen. We long to be on that mountain Amen. with the 144,000. We long to be there, Lord, Amen. among the first fruits, Amen. oh, with the Lamb, Amen. from following the Lamb whithersoever he goes, Lord, lead us to Mount Zion, lead us on, Lord, that you could consummate your economy, you could have your way, Lord, end this age, gain the uh, satisfaction for the Father and the completion of your work, so we look to you tonight, Lord, we are nothing, Lord, we know we are nothing. We are no one, Lord. We have nothing, but we trust in you, Lord. Oh, bind your enemy. Bind the evil one, Lord. Bind the one uh, who has uh, discouraged many. Bind the discouragement. Bind the slowness, Lord. Bind our our lack of cooperation. Oh, we pray for a new way tonight. We pray this night would be a memorial in our life and in your recovery, Lord. You would have a new way to go on. Oh, we pray for your mercy, Lord, based on your work and based on your desire, based on what you want. Lord, we appeal to this, that you would have your own way on this earth. Pick us up, Lord afresh tonight Amen. how we thank you for all you have done in the past Amen. but Lord now tonight Amen. we need you again Amen. instantly Amen. for this moment Amen. for this time Amen. you could strengthen us Amen. to pay the price Amen. to do the, what we need to do Amen. to cooperate Lord Amen. that you could have your way Amen. we love you Lord We praise you, Lord. Praise you for your recovery. Praise you for what you have done on this earth. Lord, now complete your work. Complete your work in the coming years. Oh, Lord Jesus, we cry out to you, Lord. Amen. 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 Well... When Brother Minoro gave this message uh, in Southern California just two weeks ago, uh, he talked about the fact that in these days, the word unprecedented has been used quite a bit. And uh, uh, one of the brothers talked to you about the moving of the Lord to bring the brothers together to pray in an unprecedented way. Uh, And that really came out from the conference in Philadelphia when we began to consider the matter of the Lord's move in the United States and around the world, the need for migration, the need for the Lord's spreading and increase. And when we saw this, we realized there is no way, there is no human way to do this. The only way is for the prayer. The only way is for the north wind to blow. The only way is that the Lord would touch every one of us, cause a storm in our life, bring the cloud to hover over us, and the lightning to shine upon us, to produce the electrum and to produce the coordination. So we pray for such a meeting tonight. And we pray that the speaking this weekend will have six results. Number one, it will stir our spirit. Number two, it will burn our heart. Number three, it will bend our knees. Number four, it will raise our hands. Number five, it will open our mouth. And number six, it will move our feet. We pray that these messages will have such a result among all of us tonight. Uh, And Menorah was so bold to say that we want to change our lives forever. We don't want to go on in the same way. We want the Lord to change us, to change our lives forever, not to be laden laden with the past, not to be consumed with the present, not to be worried about the future, but to be one with the Lamb, to follow the Lamb wherever He will go. Well, this is the uh, first part of the title, To Follow the Lamb. And Menorah Fellowship, uh, that the Lord's recovery now has been on this earth, no, has been in the United States almost a half a century. And yet, in the United States, we have uh, just about 250 churches. Uh, The Lord has done something but compared to the uh, burden of Brother Lee, the labor of Brother Lee, the ministry that has been released here, uh, the result is small. And so this is the time. We are at an unprecedented time to have the Lord go on in a new way. And, of course, for Him to go on in a new way, it causes re- requires us to pay a new price. Every one of us tonight uh, that are here paid a price to be here, right? We all paid a price, but you know that was yesterday's price. In the Lord's recovery, every day has its own price, and every step has its own price. And the higher we go, the higher the price. So Lord, give us the grace tonight to see what you want and make us willing, even eager, to pay the price. Well, let's read the title together of message three. Following... Okay, why don't you take 30 seconds and pray read this title with your saint name. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen, Lord Jesus. Let's read Roman 1 together. We must be those who follow the Lamb, Wherever he may go. You know, this weekend we have been talking about the Lord's moving, the Lord's going. Brother Benson told you that from Adam, from the beginning with Adam, God intended that man would move over this whole earth, that the Lord would have a move to spread over this whole earth, to gain the earth, and to subdue the earth. Our God is a moving God. Our God is not a settling God, He is a moving God. Amen. And Brother Benson also talked about Abraham, who lived a moving life, the life of an altar and a tent, Amen. with God as His roadmap, map, with no uh, definite instructions, no GPS, no uh, maps, but uh, God alone was His roadmap. To teach Abraham to follow him wherever he was to go. And then you have the case of the children of Israel who were brought out of Egypt uh, by the Lord, and that was certainly a migration out of Egypt into the wilderness, and then were led by the Lord in the wilderness to follow him. First to the mountain to receive the vision of the law and the vision of the tabernacle and when the tabernacle was constructed they had a new way to follow the Lord and they lived around that tabernacle and they moved with that tabernacle and God's move on this earth became the move of the tabernacle with the children of Israel their lives were for that move and were for that tabernacle And so this was uh, the move of the Lord, leading His people, that they would learn to follow Him day by day. And then, uh, of course, the greatest migration was the migration of God from divinity into humanity. What a glorious migration. Aren't you glad God migrated? He didn't just stay in divinity, but He migrated into humanity that we could all migrate back into divinity. Hallelujah! Well, he was incarnated on this earth and then chose 12 apostles to follow him. And if you read the four Gospels, the outstanding or an outstanding characteristic you can see is that those apostles spent time just following him. Going where he went, doing what he did, listening to what he said. He didn't give an advanced training program. He didn't tell them it would be three and a half years. He just called them to follow. Uh, And that became a great following of humanity, uh, following the incarnated divinity, one with humanity. So, this was the Lord's earthly ministry, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. But to follow the line, then you have the Lord's death, His resurrection, His ascension to the heavens, uh, and from that time, the pouring out of the Spirit. And the brothers this morning talked about the prayer, how the Lord led the disciples, Yes, he told them to go. In three of the Gospels, he said, go. Go, disciple the nations. Go into all the earth and preach the gospel. Go forth and bear fruit. But in Luke, he told them to stay. And that staying was to stay in Jerusalem until the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, comes upon them. And so that staying was for their going. But they prayed there, those uh, 10 days, and that prayer released the Lord, released the worthy lion lamb to come forward and to open the scrolls and to loose the seven seals. That came from that prayer. And that opening of the first seal released what? The white horse. To begin to ride. The white horse is what is the gospel. And so when the seal was opened, the horse began to ride. And when the horse began to ride, Peter stood up with the eleven to speak. And the gospel was begun on this earth. And the riding, the triumphal riding of the white horse was begun. And that riding has never stopped. And that moving of the white horse has never stopped. Do you know that white horse rides right up to the consummation of the age? In spite of all the other things that happen in Revelation, that white horse is riding. And while the white horse is riding, the Son of Man is in the midst of the lampstands perfecting. Isn't that glorious? So we are learning to follow Him. He is the Lamb. And as the Lamb, the Lion Lamb, in the book of Revelation. He is carrying out his economy on this earth. That's what it's all about, the book of Revelation. From the day of the ascension of the Lord, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and the beginning of the working out of God's economy on this earth, from that time, the Lamb was moving. The Lamb was doing many things. And... We were called, we are called to follow the Lamb. And eventually, those who are the faithful ones to follow the Lamb will end up on Mount Zion. They will become the first fruits to God. The first ones to be raptured before the tribulation. To be taken directly to the Father's house for His enjoyment. Saints, that's what we're going for. When we say we want to follow the Lamb, it means we want to get to Mount Zion. We want to be among that number, to be the overcomers, that we would not pass through the tribulation, but rather we would be already matured and already ripe for the Father's enjoyment. Well, you know, there is the need to be ripened, one way or another. Either we are ripened before the tribulation, or we are ripened through the tribulation. And Brother Lee said, the great majority of the church will pass through the tribulation. But the overcomers will be ripened early. And how are we ripened? Well, we are ripened through, number one, of course, we need to eat. We need to be nourished, as any uh, crop needs to be nourished. And then we need the sun to shine on us. We need the sun to burn us and to, uh, to shine with the intense heat upon us to dry all the worldly water out of us. And so that preparation is a serious preparation. Just as passing through the tribulation is a serious pre- preparation to become mature early is a serious preparation. And so the Lord calls us to follow the Lamb wherever He would go. Now we look at point A and we can see, uh, as we just said, the early overcomers, the first fruits of the believers, those who will be raptured before the great tribulation are those who follow the Lamb wherever He may go. Well, let's talk just a minute about following the Lamb. And at, at the end of Roman 1, you have some verses, the first one being Matthew 4, 19 through 20, and we're not going to read all of those verses uh, tonight, but I will tell you, the, the Lord called. This is the Lord's calling of the disciples as they were in their boat fishing, and he walked by, and he said, follow me. And they left, What? Their job, they left their nets, they left their boats, they left their father, and they followed him. This is to follow the Lamb. There is always a price in following the Lamb. And these, uh, in this case, they paid the price, and they got uh, such a reward. Then in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, The Lord said, if you want to follow after me, take up your cross daily and lose your soul life in this age, that you may gain it in the coming age. Isn't this a word? This is to follow the Lamb. It's not just an outward geographical matter, but it's a matter of taking up our cross daily, that we could lose our soul life. In this age that we can gain it in the age to come and you know in the book uh, in the book messages to the working Saints at one point brotherly charges all the young working Saints to make the most serious determination and evaluation of what their life is worth and what they really want to commit their life for he said this is what This is the need of all the young working ones. You need to make a decision. Will you gain money? Will you gain fame? Will you gain pleasure? Or will you gain the reward in the coming age? And this is not only for the young ones, this is for all of us, saints. As long as we're still alive, there's still time. Isn't that right? Oh Lord, some of us have been here many years. There's still time to pay a price. There's still time to follow the Lamb. There's still time to gain the reward for the coming age. And uh, as we are here tonight, we hope that so many of us, the Lord would have a real personal conversation to encourage us to pay the price, to follow Him, and to gain the soul life, our soul life in the coming age, and to gain such a reward. Well, then in Luke 9, uh, that is listed here, the Lord calls again uh, to follow him, and the excuses begin to come. And one said, well, I need time to bear my father. Another said, I need time to say goodbye to all the relatives, etc. And the Lord uh, answered them, No man, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks behind is fit for the kingdom of God. And so, we decide, we decide. We make a decision, that's it. There's no going back, there's no turning back. We are here to gain the kingdom reward by following the Lamb wherever He will go. And then in John 21... There is the, uh, those famous verses where uh, Peter asked the Lord about John because it was said that John would live until the Lord's return. And so Peter asked, what about me, Lord? And the Lord told him, you know, uh, don't worry about John. Everything is in my hands. You may follow me by life, or you may follow me by death. And Peter, you get the death. Of course, he didn't tell him that. But that was the point. So we must follow him, saints, whether in life or in death. We are following the Lamb. Well, let's read point B together. It is... You know, it's very good that it doesn't say that they stood with the lamb wherever he stood. We're not standing with the Lord wherever he is, but we are following him wherever he goes. It's a moving uh, life. It is a moving living, following the moving lamb who is moving today in the age of intensification to complete his economy, to unroll that scroll, to to, uh, send the white horse of the gospel on and on to gain more and more uh, of the people of this earth. And we are following him. Uh, We are following the horse. And we are following the lamb. So let's go on uh, to seed. Let's read C together. We need... ...to follow the Lamb, wherever he may go, to reach the gospel of the kingdom, to the whole inhabited
1: earth, for the propagation and development of the seed, the gene of the kingdom, consummate this age.
0: And this verse, you should know, in Mark, uh, in Matthew 24, 14, the Lord said, And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a testimony for me, to me, to the whole inhabited earth. And then the end shall come. And of course, the critical point there is the word kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And so it says here that there is a gene, the kingdom gene. And so to preach the gospel of the kingdom means that we make the nations the unbelievers, the kingdom people. And we preach a gospel that sets up the kingdom of God on this earth. And to preach such a gospel, to have a demonstration of the gospel of the kingdom, you need the church life. Otherwise, how could you practice today? How could any of us practice living the life of the kingdom if we did not have the church? And the church today is the kingdom of God. And so this means we need to go to raise up churches as the testimony and the reality of the kingdom of God over this whole earth. And when this happens, the end will come. So saints, we have a big job and a glorious future to speak and to bring this gospel of the kingdom to the whole inhabited earth for the consummation of the age. Let's go on and read D. The principle the first is that we must follow the Lamb wherever He goes, by the Lamb into
1: our being.
0: This is a very good point. None of us on our own are able to do this, to follow the Lamb, and we'll get to this more in the, uh, in the next point. But this refers, in Exodus, to the fact that in order for the children of Israel to leave Egypt, they needed to get the lamb inside them. They needed to strike the blood and eat the lamb. And by eating the lamb, they got the strength. They got the inward lamb that was able to follow, to be one, to coordinate with Moses and all the others of the millions of the uh, children of Israel to march out of that land. And so we need that principle. To follow the lamb, we need to eat the lamb. Hallelujah. We need to eat the lamb because the lamb is the real one that follows. The lamb follows the lamb. The lamb in us follows the lamb who is Moving over this whole earth. Lord, grant us the real eating to follow you wherever you may go. And let's read E together. In. And so uh, we have talked just a bit about Song of Songs in this conference so far. And uh, we all, I believe, we all realize that the Song of Solomon is a love story and that it is the story of the country girl being courted and becoming one with King Solomon. And here, the point is, uh, in these verses, that where he goes... She goes. And so she said, uh, I will follow you to the fields, to the villages, to the vineyards. And so she learned to follow Solomon. And this is a following, not out of obligation, but out of love. Isn't it good? So our following is not just an outward following. It's not just a dutiful following. Following, it's not just following so that we will gain the reward, but it's following because we love the Lord, because we would not rather be any other place but where the Lamb is. We want to be with the Lamb, because the Lamb is our Solomon, and we are his Shulamite, and we are in love, and we are pursuing this romance, and this romance will take us many places, and we will enjoy following our Solomon into the fields, into the villages, and into the vineyards. Hallelujah. So here is the matter, the first point on following the Lamb. And so the title begins, following the Lamb wherever He may go, then there's a dash, And then it says, a a desperate need, a desperate need, saints. This message talks about a desperate need to recover something in the recovery. We're in the recovery, but within the recovery, there is a desperate need to recover four things, and the four things are really one thing in four aspects, they all start out with the spirit of. So let's look again at these points. The desperate need to recover the spirit of what? Absolutely. The spirit of? Sojourning. The spirit of? Prayer. The spirit of? The gospel. For the Lord's present mood. And so among us, there is such a need uh, to recover this. And when we say the spirit of? Uh, this and the spirit of that, uh, we don't just mean the divine spirit, the human spirit, but the spirit means the, uh, the uh, um, determination, the atmosphere, the uh, reality of, the, uh, the uh, desire to uh, be a sojourner. The desire, the attitude, the atmosphere of prayer in the churches. And the atmosphere of the preaching of the gospel. And the desire of preaching the gospel. And so the spirit, the word spirit here, of course, without the spirit of the Lord, without our spirit, and without the mingled spirit, there is no possibility to recover any of it. Hallelujah. So, the first thing uh, we are going to talk about is Roman 2. Let's read Roman 2 together. We must we the spirit of You know, the spirit of absoluteness is really a trademark of the Lord's recovery. The, the Lord uh, called us out, out of Christianity, out of the world, out of the mixture uh, and the lukewarmness of religion, to be a people absolutely for Him. And so in Luke 9, uh, when they began to make excuses, uh, the Lord did not uh, stand with that. And uh, this is the point where I told you, he said that if you put your hand to the plow and look behind, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. And so among us saints, there there should be, There has been, and I believe to a certain extent there is, a spirit of absoluteness. But to follow the Lamb, we need to recover in a more strong way the spirit of absoluteness, to follow Him wherever He goes. Wherever He goes. You know, the wherever is the word of absoluteness. Wherever He goes, we follow. We don't care what it costs, we don't care what it means to our life, to our future, to our enjoyment, etc., but we want to have such a spirit of absoluteness among us. We are here for the Lord's recovery, and Brother Lee, of course, demonstrated such a spirit and he said, you, He used to say, if we don't do it, we don't do it. But if we do it, we do it at the cost of our life. We'll do it to the end, to the uttermost. And so in this matter of the spirit of absoluteness, there is a pattern, there is a history in the Lord's recovery. Today we have, uh, by the Lord's grace and mercy, many young full-timers among us, And uh, these full-timers, of course, whenever we serve full-time, the matter of support is always an issue. And one of the matters related to absoluteness is always our concern for our present supply and our future need. Uh, And yet, uh, I remember clearly Brother Lee telling us that in the early days, with he and Brother Nee, they practiced living by faith. The Lord led them to practice living by faith. They didn't ask anybody for any support. They didn't make their needs known, and you can read uh, this, and you probably have read it in a number of the books, and because of that, uh, a number of the early co-workers of Brother Ni nee and Brother Lee became weak and sick, and a number died of TB because they didn't have enough to eat. And so this is our heritage. This is our uh, pattern that they would live in such a way. Well, on, on their side, they wanted to live by faith, on Brother Ni's side, he felt a burden to uh, take care of them. And so, for that reason, uh, he began to pursue the developing of a factory and, uh, and pursuing a certain business so that he could have money at least so his co workers uh, would have food to eat. And when Brother Li went from the mainland of China, Uh, To Taiwan, he set up the same principle, that all of those that worked with him, he picked up the burden, at least that they would have enough money to eat. Well, what about all the other things? (laughs) The life today is a complicated life, but we need such a spirit. And and yet, some of the full-timers, you know, they might say, "Well, what about medical insurance? What about this? What about that?" And uh, and uh, sometimes I've said, you know, we are just one or most two generations away from those who served in the Lord's recovery at the cost of their life. Of course, it doesn't mean we should foolishly throw our life away. On the other hand. We need to be absolute. And one, to serve the Lord at any cost. Uh, And then I um, mentioned just a bit of my own experience. uh, When I came to the Lord's recovery in 1969 and came to Eldon Hall in Los Angeles, I was impressed by many things. And uh, among those things was the spirit of absoluteness among the saints. Uh, And uh, two illustrations of that is uh, I was, uh, at that time I was 20, going on turning 21, and as a young man looking around, observing many things, I noticed a lot of the sisters didn't have wedding rings on. So I thought, well, maybe this is part of the church's teaching that the sisters don't wear wedding rings. So I asked the brother, how come most of the sisters don't have wedding rings? He said, well, most of the sisters sold their wedding rings so that we could buy Eldon Hall. And that really impressed me. Uh, now, we shouldn't take that as a standard. And already last week in Chicago, this illustration caught up with me, and some brother talking about uh, paying for a meeting hall cited this example. I said, brother, you know, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. That is not a method in the Lord's recovery. We have to bow our knee and thank the Lord for it, but don't try to use it as a precedent. Anyway, that was the atmosphere. And that atmosphere, that absoluteness created an atmosphere that characterized the Lord's recovery. And that's why people came in, they were caught in one day. I was caught in one day, one meeting. You came in and the spirit of absoluteness was so strong, you knew, you had to make a decision. Uh, Another example was in those days, uh, Brother Lee, that summer, Brother Lee had a 10-day conference and then followed by a six-week training. Six weeks. And that was six weeks three times a day. Morning, afternoon, and evening. And you studied in between, rested in between. Uh, And so I asked the brothers, I said, How do the saints get the time to spend six weeks, day and night, at Brother Lee's training? And the brother told me, he said, that's that's simple. He said, we just go to our boss and ask for the time off. And if he doesn't give it to us, we quit. (laughs) So we can get another job later, brothers. We're not here for our jobs. We're here for the ministry. Well, this was Eldon Hall. And that atmosphere of absoluteness deeply impressed this young man, me. I said, I want this. I want to be absolute for the Lord, like these people are absolute for the Lord. And this is a characteristic of the Lord's recovery. We need such a spirit of absoluteness, brothers. We'll pay any price. You know, earlier this year, uh, I took a trip with some others into China. And it was a really humbling experience because I met the saints there who uh, have another level of consecration another level of absoluteness. And we would sit down and talk with some of the saints. In one case, a brother who had been sentenced to death for reading Witness Lee's material. Not for being a Christian in general, not for reading the Bible in general, but for reading the writings of Witness Lee. And eventually, his life sentence, uh, his death sentence was commuted to life. And they allowed his wife, he was married, they allowed his wife to visit him once a year for two hours. And they didn't always, every year, let her do that. But that was the maximum two hours a year to visit and so he lived there and after I believe it was seven or eight years they decided to let him go and and uh, he was not bitter he was not in fact he didn't even want to talk about it we had to we had to ask him to tell us because he wanted to talk about the Lord's current move in China (laughs) he didn't want to talk about his history But because we had a number of friends from Christianity there, we wanted them to hear that, and of course, I wanted to hear it myself. And he said, well, you know, I asked the Lord, Lord, why did I need to spend seven years in prison like that? And he said, after I prayed for a period of time, I I got the answer." I realized that I was such a hard case that the Lord needed those seven years to deal with me. Said without any bitterness, without any, in a, in a grateful way to the Lord. And, and all of us in that room, we looked at each other, and there was, that was not the only story. We, you know, time after time, we met the saints who routinely risk imprisonment. They don't care. They don't care. They say, let, it, let them put us in jail. But we are not going to stop. We are not going to give up reading. We are not going to give up the ministry just because they threaten to put us in jail. And after you touch that kind of consecration, there's nothing to say. We all walked out of that room, and there was nothing to say. And we, you, all, you feel uh, so ashamed of all our complaining, my complaining, all the little things that I think are a great sacrifice. We actually don't make much sacrifice. Uh, but anyway, may the Lord recover such a spirit. And I, uh, I pray and believe that the opening of China will allow many of us to go there and to meet those saints, and they have something to impart to us in the spirit of absoluteness. But on the other hand, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I want to be one with the Lord today. I want to take their pattern, their example. Say, Lord, make me that absolute. And it was so good for those Christianity people to hear that these people willingly went to jail for reading Witness Lee's writings. And we didn't ask them, but you have to believe that in their mind, when they were leaving, they were asking themselves, would anybody go to jail for reading my writings? Or any writings of the many thousands and thousands of writings in Western Christianity. And so what a testimony of the saints' givenness and absoluteness and clearness that this is the ministry to build up the churches to close the age, and there's nothing else. And they rounded up the students, and now the government is particularly after the students because they realize, Satan realizes, the same thing we realize. The future is with the students. You can let the old people do whatever they want, or the older people, but you have to stop the students, and then you stop the future. And so they rounded up hundreds of students having a student meeting on campus, Put them in jail and then had some people come in and told them, uh, if we catch you again in a Christian meeting in any educational institution in China, you will never study again in China, anywhere. We will be sure the door is closed so that you can never get into school again. That was their threat. But the brothers don't care. uh, Because they're absolute. (laughs) And and they go on. And in spite of all the persecutions, many of those places, the numbers of students has multiplied. Thousands upon thousands. You don't know how many thousand, and I don't know how many thousand students we have today in China. Who loved the Lord, who loved the Lord's recovery, and who loved to pay the price to be in the Lord's recovery. It was a deeply humbling experience. We went to one place on in the uh, interior, about as far as you can go uh, west into China, uh, right against the mountains in the old capital of Xi'an, and uh, some brothers came to meet us. To have a meeting of course we couldn't have a public meeting we never had a public meeting with the Saints that day uh, we met in uh, Andrew Yu's bedroom in his hotel room and there were about 10 of those brothers and then our uh, entourage which was about 10 or 12 and some of them have had traveled on the train for 36 hours one way to have that hour and a half fellowship with us you think about that and and train is not like Amtrak (laughs) many of them stood up for those 36 hours there were no seats and yet they did it joyfully and and they testified joyfully to those uh, people and Uh, of course, those people from Christianity were deeply moved. And they said, what can we do, apart from praying, what can we do in America to help the brothers and sisters in China? And then they said, well, you can help clear up all the lies about the Lord's recovery in America. Amen. To the extent that you clear up those lies, you will help us. Right. What an answer. Amen. And they didn't hesitate a minute to give it. And so after the, uh, the testifying there, the meeting was, uh, was uh, somewhat coming to an end, and they sang to us in Chinese Oh, Lord, we love you. We really love you. Without you, life is nothing. You are so excellent. You are so marvelous, right? I don't, can't remember the next line. You know the song. And we were all in tears. And then I wanted to uh, have a take the chance, as long as they were there, not just to hear about their suffering, etc., but to know something about their enjoyment of the church life. So I said, brothers, uh, in your church where you are, what are you enjoying today? They said, oh, we're in the crystallization study of the book of Acts. It's very good. It's glorious. And, and uh, after crystallization study of book of Acts, uh, I be, well, and before, we began to be... Uh, more and more burden for uh, PSRP and getting into the deeper study of the truth in the crystallization study and so that after that study uh, I had the habit in conferences of asking the Saints how many could repeat the basic crystals the 12 basic crystals in the crystallization study of Acts that means the 12 titles of the messages expressing the basic crystals. Actually, some of them express more than one crystal. And uh, uh, most of the saints did not do that well at all. Uh, And so then I said, uh, so then I asked them about the crystals. They knew the crystals. They started reciting the crystals to me, enjoying the different points of the book of Acts, and uh, it was a glorious time. Of course, they get it by internet. You know. And so they're up to date with the ministry. So, praise the Lord for such absolute brothers. For such a spirit of absoluteness in the Lord's recovery. And saints, the only way that we are going to do whatever we need to do, the things we need to do to be faithful to the Lord to end this age, We need such a spirit. And we need the return of such a spirit. Many of us paid a price. Many of us have paid a price. But I say again, uh, the price to pay is the price today. And so we need such a spirit of absoluteness among us that we would do anything for the sake of the Lord's recovery and be faithful to him. Well, let's read the points under here, point A. Let's read together. So this is the burnt offering, saints. And once again, we come back to this point that we are not absolute. We are all chickens. We are all compromisers. We all love our flesh. You know, the Bible says no man ever yet hated his own flesh. And that's true. We all like our comfort. We all like what we like. But praise the Lord, there's a burnt offering. Praise the Lord, there is uh, one who was absolute for God, Amen. and we have to put our hands on him, identify with him, and say, Lord, you are the real absoluteness, and be the absoluteness in me. You are the burnt offering. That means you were burnt up completely, and that is a type of our consecration. The future of our consecration is to be what? ashes we consecrate to the Lord that means we consecrate to be on the altar for whatever the Lord wants at whatever time he wants and so the future of every consecration is ashes are we willing to be ashes Oh Lord Jesus we need to enjoy Christ as the burnt offering we need to consider How much he loved us, how much he sacrificed for us to be constrained by the love of God, that we could have a consecration to present our bodies a living sacrifice, that he would have a way to carry out what he wants to do on the earth. Well, let's read E together. Nothing will be too much or too expensive to offer to him. Well, to migrate is definitely uh, a price. And uh, I heard uh, some years back there's a Chinese proverb that three moves equals one fire. In other words, you move three times is the same as if your house burned down. And the first 10 years, my wife and I were in the recovery, we moved 11 times. So that was almost four fires. (laughs) But we never felt like we had a fire. We felt glorious every time we moved. Brother Lee had a further burden, the brothers had a burden. You know, we were just married a little more than a year, we had a little baby, and the brothers said, you know, we're burdened to have a high school house at Belmont High School. In Los Angeles. We were living in our nice, cozy little apartment that we got from the Bynums. They had it first, and then we got it, and we were enjoying our apartment there and our new baby. But when the brothers said there's a need, we said, Well, there's no question. What's the question? I mean, we can pray, but the need is there. And so we did it. And so we moved into our first brother's house. Uh, my wife and Peter and myself and nine brothers and the nine brothers lived upstairs my wife and I lived downstairs that was our first experience of corporate living and she would go to the market with two or three carts to fill with food because you know brothers are endless eaters (laughs) and and so she would shop and fill up those carts, and then she had Peter, who was just, you know, like two years old, little blonde-headed kid, and, uh, and so she would go to the checkout lane and put Peter in the baby seat of one of the carts, and she'd be pushing three carts up to the checkout lane. The people would look at her like, lady, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that kid must be one big eater. and we live like that we never had a private dinner we never had a night to ourselves hardly ever almost every night was a meeting every dinner was with the brothers afterwards the brothers of course they helped they washed the dishes we lived together we prayed together we had morning revival together it was glorious we never thought it was a cost we never thought that it was a loss and uh, in in those days, Brother Howard Higashi uh, brought us his nephew, who was then in high school, to take care of on the weekends, and eventually he moved in with us. And of course, that is Dennis Higashi. And so, in our brother's house, we had Dennis from as from the age of a high schooler. Uh, To be with us in our brother's house and of course today many of you know uh, he is he is the main one taking care of the full-time training in Anaheim so what a glory and we were there less than a year and then brother Lee was burdened to have 77 halls in LA and for everyone to migrate out to move out uh, to different halls and so we got sent to uh, Hall 5 I think it was Hall 5 or Hall 6 I can't remember now anyway we were in Torrance So we moved from that brother's house to the next brother's house. That brother's house, we only had three brothers. Uh, But we entered into the church life in Torrance. And we were there less than a year. And most of our increase, uh, including, some of you know the Adkins and the Waters, uh, and some others from Long Beach, they came into the church life in Torrance. And so we told Brother Lee, all our increase is coming from Long Beach, and we're living in Torrance. He said, then you should move to Long Beach. (laughs) So we moved to Long Beach, and that became our biggest brother's house ever. That house was so big, it was the uh, house of a mother of one of the brothers in the church, and uh, anyway, uh, she had it, she let us use it, and so that house held two couples, And nine brothers or ten brothers something like that it was a huge house and a big backyard and uh, and so we enjoyed the church life Uh, and we never considered it as any kind of loss but enjoyment and after the meeting was over on the Lord's Day morning we just go around and anybody who didn't have a place to eat we just brought them all back to our house uh, and then one time we had a conference, uh, and Houston in those days had a bus, not a school bus, but like a trailways bus, a Greyhound bus. And uh, they came in with their Greyhound bus, and we got assigned the whole bus for hospitality. <laughs> so that was the first time I learned to coordinate with Joe Davis. I met Joe and Carol. And uh, we just packed those brothers in, uh, and what a glorious thing. Yeah. We never considered it a loss, we never considered it a sacrifice. It was just the wonderful enjoyment of the church life in absoluteness. Anyway, let's go on. We have to go on to number three. Three, we must. We cover the spirit of well, we've talked about this uh, already. Uh, I. I wish we had time to read, but I think you can read uh, Hebrews 11:8 8 through 16, that list of all the dear saints that the Lord counted worthy to put in to this list of the brothers who were sojourners on this earth. And of course, he says there, of whom the world was not worthy. The world is not worthy. Oh, Lord, make us such sojourners. You know, the Christian life is not a settling life. And and, uh, it is a sojourning life. Not only for Abraham, but we found out this morning, even for Paul, called himself a wanderer over the earth. Uh, And uh, at least with Aquila and Priscilla, you can see the evidence That they had been in at least a couple of church lives, opened their homes to be the center of the church uh, in those different places. And so, saints, this is a calling, and this is part of the spirit of the Lord's recovery. This is a part of saying to your boss, well, if you won't give me the time off, okay, I'll just get another job, because I'm a sojourner. We, nobody, none of us understood the word career. What does career mean? You know, Francis used to say, the job, our job is what we do between the time we get up in the morning and go to to the meeting in the evening. So we do on the way to the meeting, that's what he said. (laughs) We do every day on the way to the meeting, we go to our job. But we didn't have such a thought that we belong to this earth, that we were, had to develop this and that. Uh, and uh, equity and all these things that uh, become such a complicated thing. You'll hear Brother Lee tomorrow telling all the saints that moved to Anaheim and bought houses and made money that they should sell them and move. And the ones that never bought a house, they should stay. And, <laughs> and uh, on the one hand, we laugh, but on the other hand, if you think about it, you can understand the reason why. The problem was with those who had bought a house. They had left the, they were tempted away from the sojourning life. And so, Brother Lee said, best thing for you is to sell your house with all the equity you made, use it for migration, and go somewhere else. So, this is our life. Let's read A. All believers. Well, this is part of the spirit of the Lord's recovery, brothers. Uh, We are not settlers. And, you know, the first two letters of the gospel are go, right? G-O. And the first two letters of God are go. So we should be those always going. (laughs) Going, going, going. Not settling, but sojourning. And, of course, you know, when you move, uh, you keep, the amount of possessions that you have down to a minimum, whatever fits on the back of the camel, all the other things. But today, I'm sorry to say, I've been in Fullerton for a lot of years, and I have a garage that is so packed that I cannot open the front door of it, or things will fall on me. Uh, so I need to move again. I need another few moves so that I can be freed from all of that. You know, we don't realize how much worldly possessions kill us, how much they dampen the sojourning spirit. And I was thinking one day just about how much time I spend with my batteries. Batteries. You know, every, every new gadget you get has its batteries. And it's always a different battery. And then you gotta always worry about keeping it charged. You know, so you can't go to sleep at night until you shepherd all your electronics. <laughs> Isn't that right? You don't read the Bible at night, but you get all your batteries lined up. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus, save us Lord. Save us from such a life. We are so tied down. And there is a kind of natural law, brothers and sisters, and you will, we'll talk about it more this weekend. You just can't stay in one place that long and continue to overcome the weight of the earth. You'll start putting down roots. That's why the Lord made part, migration part of the Christian life. We need it from time to time. Because by our nature, we start to put down roots, accumulate things, and we lose the character of a sojourner. And so we go go to our neighbor, or we didn't go to our neighbor the first week, and then we didn't go the first month, and then we didn't talk to him the first year, and then now we're a settler, so we don't want to talk to him because... You know we're one of the neighborhood now we don't want to offend our neighbors but if we go to a new place the best thing if you go to a new place is go the first day to talk to your neighbors and and tell them about the Lord uh, in your sojourning life okay let's read B the Amen. Then to see Abraham is an example of one who acted by faith in the Lord's word. He was called
1: and sent by the Lord to Canaan, but the Lord did not tell him exactly where he wanted him to go. Amen. Nevertheless, Abraham still took action
0: according to the Lord's word. And we talked about this already. D. Probably before the weekend is over, the brothers here will suggest some places that uh, they feel there is some leading of the Lord uh, to go for migration. And uh, that's very good because that means you get a lot more than Abraham got. Abraham didn't get a destination, he didn't get a map, he didn't even get a suggestion. Suppose we do it in this way. That would really be something. Okay, F. The believers in Christ, the real Hebrews, should follow their spiritual forefathers, and considering themselves strangers in sojourners, children, and sojourners, pilgrims, exiles, expatriates, on the earth, and looking forward to the God-built city and the heavenly country, which is better than the earthly one. Amen. And so, Saints, once we see the heavenly city and we keep in our heart, the goal to have that heavenly country, Satan loses so much ground in our being because we don't care. We lose something, praise the Lord. You know? And um, so, anyway, let's go on. G. That's, I believe, a a very important element of the crisis of the Lord's recovery today. A great part of the Lord's recovery has become set, settled, and occupied. And it affects our increase. It affects everything. It affects our growth. It affects uh, our understanding of the truth. You believe me? Everything is affected because we should have gone We didn't go, and so things change. Just like John said in John 15, if you are not bearing fruit, you are no longer in the enjoyment of the vine, and that's a fact. And so we need to pay attention uh, in our life that we would not become set, settled, and occupied. And you know, in Acts uh, chapter 8, the first migration, everybody went. Everybody went except the apostles. And they were just saved in chapter 1 or 2 or 3 but by chapter 8 they were gone and so they never had a chance to get set or settled it's a wonderful pattern okay let's go on to H You say amen to this. Amen. Say amen again. Amen. Say amen Lord. amen, Lord. Very good. Now we'll have more uh, on this in the coming meetings, so you will see more. But what a, what a mercy that the Lord would speak such a word to us. Now we go on to Romans four. We must. Amen. So, in 1 Timothy, uh, of course, there is the, the famous, unique verse that tells us absolutely, unambiguously what God wants. And what is that? God desires what? All to and to come to? Oh, God, there's one verse that there's no question. You know now exactly what God wants. But after you know that, then you have to come to First Timothy 2.1, and Paul says, I will, first of all, that there be prayers. And uh, we don't have the time tonight to get into the details, but there are different kinds of prayers. There are intercessions, you know, and, and, and there is prayer, our personal prayer, just to absorb God, just to become one spirit with the Lord. Just to love him and praise him and enjoy him. But then there are other prayers that he needs to accomplish his economy on the earth. There are saints bound waiting for your intercession. There are unbelievers there waiting for you to pray for them and to speak to them. Uh, and so, saints, the matter of prayer, of course, we had one meeting on prayer, but when we first thought about this conference, We consider to have the whole conference on prayer because we realize the thing, the critical thing we need today is to recover the spirit of prayer among us, to do everything by prayer, and to carry out God's administration by prayer, uh, and to interfere with so many things on this earth so that God can have His way. Uh, There needs to be such a recovery and I know in many of the places, uh, in many of the churches, the sisters pray. There is, a, there is a prayer of the sisters, and that prayer is powerful. And I can tell you where we are in Fullerton, uh, the sisters are somewhat famous for praying marriages into being. <laughs> and so all the single ones know the sisters, and uh, they ask them, pray for me. <laughs> And you, you, I don't know, but the sisters know, and they keep a record book and the whole thing. And, and they do business, you know. They come together and they begin to do business, praying for the different people. And there are many, many, uh, uh, some they have brought together and some they've taken apart. I mean, they've stopped some. We had some marriages we needed to stop. Uh, they did. I mean, the Lord did. It was related to an unbeliever, so, you know. So that one needed to be stopped. The sisters prayed. The Lord answered. But this is just uh, some example. It actually tells the brothers to pray. Lifting up holy hands. Brothers, we should be the ones praying. Taking the lead to pray. In so many ways. Coming together to pray. Calling one another to pray. Don't think prayer is the sisters' work. This is a a part of the ministry, a part of every, uh, of the ministry of the work of the Lord. And you may not be the one that stands up on the podium to give the message, but you surely should be the one who is praying. Uh, Because what we, what the brothers on the podium say, actually doesn't mean that much. Because between us, our mouth, and your ears, is the air and the air is filled with principalities and powers and so a lot of words get lost twisted and your mind gets a dart here and a dart there and the critical point you need it is lost and so we need the prayers that there would be the real speaking of the Lord and that the Saints would hear the speaking and take it to heart there are so many things to pray for and you know um, in our small group, uh, we've been talking about the fact that you know, we not only need to pray, but then we need to answer our own prayers. Do you, you know that? When you pray for somebody, you shouldn't just pray for them. After you pray for them, you have to go visit them. If you don't visit them, you can't expect the angel to come and preach the gospel to him. So I often say, you know, first we pray, and then we go to answer our own prayers. Anyway, we need to pray. So let's go on. Uh, B. C. amen oh there's so many verses here and and um, brothers it is so um, like I said we could have had the whole conference on the matter of prayer it is so critical in the Lord's economy and uh, you know the Lord said when 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 the church was first revealed the first thing the Lord talked about was prayer whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven Whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. So the first responsibility, we need to pray to cooperate with the Lord in his ministry. Okay, let's go on to deep. This is a huge subject. Okay, um, you know, even, well, no, I don't have time to talk about it. Let's go on to E. If, if we
1: seek the things above and have one life and one living with Christ, we will be wholly occupied with the Lord Jesus Amen. Our
0: Amen. F. God's
1: move is like a train, which must have rails for its move. Man's prayers are like rails, which paved the way for God's move to go on. There is no other way to bring God's economy into fullness and into fulfillment
0: except by prayer. And so, when we consider the matter of the increase and spread of the church, we need to become desperate for prayer. Uh, because it's not up to us. I mean, it is up to us, but it, it, it needs our prayer to give God the rails to move, to pave the way for His going on. It is so critical. Gee. Okay, sorry, we have to go on. H? In order for our service to be fragrant, sweet, fresh, and valuable, we must have much prayer. All the churches should be filled with an atmosphere of prayer, and prayer should be the strength of the churches. Amen? Amen. Oh, we need such an atmosphere. Uh, in, in all the churches, there should not be a conversation ended without prayer. We fellowship, we should pray. We hear a need, we should pray. Oh Lord, we just need such an atmosphere among us. May the Lord have mercy. Let's go on to I. And while we were in San Juan Capistrano those few days there in California, one of the brothers asked us to read the first chapter of The Spirit and the Body. And uh, if you read that, you will see uh, very strongly this point, that the Lord has a way through our prayer to tell everybody what they should do and where they should go. Okay, Jay. Okay, we have to go on to five. We must, we must recover the spirit of the gospel. And uh, this, saints, to, uh, to my feeling, I think, and our feeling, is one of the critical needs, among all the needs, uh, in the Lord's recovery today, to recover the spirit of the gospel. Okay, A. I just came back from, uh, down from Minneapolis, uh, Chicago, where we had Midwest Leading Brothers meeting and we were fellowshipping about the elders, reading one of Brother Lee's books on the elders from 1991, The Spiritual Responsibility of the Elders. He said, the first spiritual responsibility of all the elders is to preach the gospel and to bear fruit. And the first responsibility of every church is to be burdened and to go out to preach the gospel to bear fruit. And when Brother Lee came back from Taiwan in 1989, maybe a little before that, to talk to us about the God-ordained way, uh, the thing that he asked us for, begged us for, was for two hours a week for us to get out of our house, to go out somewhere and talk to someone concerning the Lord. And he said, if you will give those two hours, I guarantee you, you will bear fruit. And he asked us again and again, and over the years, he is after that commitment. We really need to make the practical uh, provision and then have the spiritual exercise. You know, according to our natural heart, we all love ourselves. And according to our natural heart, we're not interested, most of us are not that interested in talking to other people, not that interested in putting other people in an uncomfortable position or saying whatever. But we need the Lord's mercy. And then we need our own budget and exercise, and the Lord can transform us. And the Lord must transform us. If the Lord does not transform us in this way, the recovery's over. Because we'll not have the increase. We don't have the increase. There's no more people. There's no more people. The recovery's over. You look around, you see a lot of gray hair these days. And, uh, and so we should be burdened. And that was the point that caused Brother Lee to go back to Taiwan to reconsider the whole matter of the Lord's recovery because of the lack of increase everywhere in the Lord's recovery. So this is a very uh, serious Point, and we all need to take this very seriously to the Lord uh, and to begin or continue or to strengthen our exercise in this matter. Okay, uh, do we read B? Uh, let's read B. And this is, um, you know, in part uh, for the leading brothers, because the leading brothers should set the tone for the spirit or the atmosphere in the church. But on the other hand, when Brotherly established the God-ordained way, he did it in part to bypass all the elders, so that all of us, none of us would have an excuse saying, well, the church didn't lead us to preach the gospel, so we didn't do it. Uh, so the God-ordained way clearly puts the responsibility upon all of us. But it's much better if the church as a whole can be in the spirit of the gospel together. And then second, the church, the whole church, can be active in the preaching. And uh, this may start with handing out tracts. It may start with doing uh, many different things. But we need to break through in this matter. Okay, let's go to C. In order And this is right, um, Brother Lee. You know, was very critical of the elders because in in that time in the 80s, because they had a they uh, oversaw a church life where the saints could not bear fruit and still be comfortable feel comfortable and so actually the elders job was to make the Saints feel uncomfortable if they're not bearing fruit Uh, and said in another way the elders should have led the church into the life and the practice of gospel preaching and helped the church to realize that the normal Christian church life just as much as having morning revival is to preach the gospel this should be our life okay uh, e. We must see that the
1: effectiveness of the gospel lies not in reasoning, but in the release of the spirit. When you preach the gospel, you should take care of the spirit of gospel preaching and allow your spirit to be released. To lead people to salvation, you have to be fixed in, Amen. And have an open mouth, and a release spirit.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there are many, many uh, practical points uh, uh, on the matter of the gospel, the gospel preaching, and there are many books uh, and on the God-ordained way and a lot of it related to the gospel. And so some of the saints kind of throw up their hands and say, well, we don't know, you know, what to do. What should we do first and what should we read first? And, you know, the, the, the main point is just get started. Once you get started... Then you will appreciate all the different words, you'll understand many things, your skin will become thicker, and your mouth will become more open, and your spirit will become more released. Okay, let's go on to F. The first thing we should do when we get to a new place is to ignite the fire of the gospel. We must be armed with the gospel spirit. Amen. So, if we are burdened to migrate somewhere we go there, right away we should take the advantage to ignite the spirit of the gospel, to set the tone that that church is a church for the gospel. In 1974, when there was a migration from Eldon Hall to Orange County, uh, one of the churches, Huntington Beach, was designated the Young People's Church, and Brotherly charged us Uh, in that church, under Dick Taylor's leadership and others, that uh, we should double every year. We should be the young people's church preaching the gospel, doubling every year. And that church life in those days had the spirit of the gospel. We were always preaching the gospel. We were down on the beach, we were in the parks, we were everywhere. Every week we had a gospel meeting, and every week people got saved, and every week we had new ones. and, uh, And so... We need to take a chance. If we're going to have a restart of the church life somewhere, from the very beginning, we should release the gospel and make the church a gospel-preaching church. Okay, then we go to G. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. We say Hallelujah to this? Hallelujah. I hope uh, after hearing this and hearing Benson's testimony this morning, many of you would have the aspiration while you're while you are still able you would make it outside of this country you would make a migration not only to Jerusalem Judea and Samaria but to the uttermost part of the earth you'll never be the same and and you will gain a reward that you would never gain you can never gain if you stay here so I hope many of you would have such an ambition to go okay let's finish with H Amen. So in conclusion, let's read together again the title. Following the Amen. Lamb, wherever He may go, a desperate need
1: to recover the spirit of absoluteness,
0: Amen. spirit of Amen. the
1: spirit
0: of prayer, Amen. and the spirit of the gospel, Amen. The Lord's present move. Okay, now all the Roman numerals. We, we must be, be those who follow the Lamb, Lamb. Wherever, Wherever he, he may, may go. go. Two. We must
1: recover the spirit of absoluteness. Three. We must recover the spirit of
0: sojourning.
1: Four. We must recover the
0: spirit of prayer. Amen. Five. We must
1: recover the spirit of
0: the gospel. Okay, now turn to your neighbor and speak the five points uh, of these Roman numerals to one another.